Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, whatever time of day you're listening to the show at. And welcome to the first ever Cricket Scotland podcast. I know, not much of a title, but we promise this will be the perfect place to get all your latest news, match reports, and interviews from the world of Cricket Scotland. I'm your host, Ian Leggett, and on today's show, I shall be taking you through Scotland men's recent tour of Papua New Guinea, where they played three matches versus the hosts in the ICC Intercontinental Cup and the World Cricket League. I chat with Richie Barrington to hear what it was like to go to one of the most unique locations in the cricketing world. And I also speak with CEO Malcolm Cannon to find out the results from the ICC general report and what this means for the future of Cricket Scotland. But to begin, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. Our hope is to deliver a show that can help anyone with an interest in Cricket Scotland to find out a little more. It's nothing complicated, just an update from us. With a new show, you can listen anywhere you want, on your way to work, whilst you're doing your shopping, or even when you're in the shower. It's easy to access and easy to listen to. We hope you guys will engage as much as possible as well and get in contact, because we don't just want to focus on the international sides, but on the club game. Scotland's village leagues are alive and thriving, and we want to highlight that. And, of course, there'll be a strong focus on the growing women's game in Scotland. It's exciting times, and we want to show it. We want listeners to have a place where they can get everything they need to know in one particular spot. And if we've missed something out, or there's something you guys want to hear, get in touch. We'll be happy to listen to any suggestions thrown at us. Anyway, on to today's episode. Three matches, a win, a draw, and a loss. It certainly was a bag of mixed fortunes for Scotland during their trip to Papua New Guinea. To give you a quick round-up of the games, and I mean very quick, the team played two warm-up games against Auckland in the Gold Coast. It was uh, two wins, a 19-run victory where Richie Barrington and Callum McLeod showed signs of things to come. And then the boys won the second practice match at the Bill Pippin Oval where they won by three wickets. Uh, Auckland were all out for 254, and it was a good all-round performance by the bat, where Scotland surpassed the total in the 48th over. It was then all about PNG, and they headed over to Port Moresby. They played the four-day match in the Intercontinental Cup, and it ended with a draw. Scotland hit their biggest first-class score in history, 514 all-out. Uh, Richie Barrington stole the headlines from the game hitting 129. Sharif was the pick of the bowlers for Scotland, with figures of 4 for 94 in the first innings. And there was also some good batting with Michael Leask and Mark Watt, both making half-centuries. It was then on to the ODIs in the World Cricket League. The first match was a big win for Scotland. The captain, Carl Kotzer, made a fluent 46, and during it became the first Scottish player to pass 1,500 ODI runs. But the day belonged to Callum McLeod, whose innings of 154 was match-defining. He hit 14, uh, 15 fours, pardon me, and three sixes. Scotland won the match eventually by 101 runs. They moved up to second place in the World Cricket League, Tago, a vital position. But they were then to be leapfrogged by PNG the next match, as the hosts claimed a five-wicket win. Uh, PNG's Valor and Die played the crucial innings for the hosts, scoring 49 and 63. If you want to find out uh, the full details on the matches, uh, head over to the Cricket Scotland website where there's full match reports and links to the scorecards on Crick Info. So I recommend heading over. There's some good stuff on there. So, an interesting tour indeed. Every match was different, but there was plenty of talking points for the Scotland players and coaches. 
After they returned, I caught up with Richie Barrington to hear about his experience on tour, uh, where he talked through some of the matches and innings and his highlights from the trip. Here are some of the highlights from that chat. Freshly back from the Papua New Guinea tour, to begin it simply, what was it like going to one of the most unique locations in, in, in the world of cricket? Um, yeah, it was, it was amazing actually. It was a very very different to, to some of the places we've been before. Um, and I think there was probably a few a few question marks before we went, um, just a bit unsure of what the place is going to be like. Um, but I think we were all, um, safe to say, pleasantly surprised. Um, just the people were very friendly, uh, lovely people. And yeah, as I said, it's just there was some some really interesting um, places to see. We didn't get out and about too much because um, it was pretty much a full-on schedule when we were there. But as I said, just getting to see some of the places and meet a few of the local people was great. You guys played uh, three matches out there. You played a, a four-day uh, first-class match, then you played two ODIs. You had a draw, a win, and a loss. It was a bag of mixed results for you guys. So how how did it? How's the aftermath and and reflections on the tour been with the team? Um, yeah, I think it was as you said. It was a bit of a it was a, it was a good tour. I think we we played some really good cricket um, throughout. Obviously, it was disappointing not not to win the last game um, after playing such such good cricket through the tour, um, especially in the first part in Australia, uh, where we hit the ground ground running, which was quite a pleasing thing against a, a very good Auckland side. Um, but I think there's a lot, as always, we're always looking to improve and learn from our performances. Um, and obviously we'll look at the things we did well and we'll continue to to, to do that. Um, but obviously there's always, always going to be areas that you're going to have to work on. Um, so we, we are still uh, reflecting a little bit on that, but we're we're now getting back into training already, um, working towards that next phase of playing against Kenya in Dubai. So talking about the four-day match, you kind of stole the show with that, 129 of 297 balls. So talk us through that innings. What was it like hitting that one through? Uh, well, first of all, it was, a, it was a long time out in the middle, uh, probably the longest I've spent out in the middle. Um, but I think it was, you know, we probably didn't bowl um, or field as well as we have in recent times in that first innings and they obviously racked up a pretty good score but it was also it was a very flat surface um, so we knew to stay in the game we were going to have to bat for a long period of time um, obviously it was pleasing to, to spend time out there and to, and to get 100 and contribute um, towards us getting that first that first innings win um, even though we didn't go on to get the, the full outright win in the game um, it was still important that we got that, that first innings win you, you say you haven't you haven't been out there for a, you know in the in the middle for that long a length of time. Did you get any support from the rest of the teammates giving you advice to keep them mentally? Or was it was it a self-taught thing, or were you getting support from the other guys in the middle? Um, oh no, there's definitely a little bit of both. Um, you know, you need to use you need to use that guy at the other end as much as you can, um, and I think that's a big part of the game we've actually improved on um, is getting to understand each other better as players and to get the best out of each other. Um, so it's very much going through partnerships and that certainly makes it a lot easier to be out there for that length of time. And then let's move on to the, the first ODI. Uh, Scotland won by 101 runs. What was that match like? It was good to get the win under the belt, especially in what was the World Cricket League for the, the ICC. Yeah, obviously it was it was good to get a win in that first game. Um, again, the, the conditions were... It was tough, tough conditions early on. Um, we probably had the better of the conditions we chose to... Um, bat first in that game, um, lost a, a couple of early wickets and were probably a little bit stuck for a while. And myself, it was pleasing to myself and the Callum 
uh, managed to get through that little tricky period. Um, and Callum batted fantastically well. I think he scored 150 on it in that innings. Um, so it was very much a supporting role from my point of view. Um, but nice to to be at the other end when someone when someone bats that well. And then moving on to the defeat, you did say at the start that there were a lot of highs coming from this tour, but was it almost like a breath of, oh, we should have maybe done better in that match, or were you beaten by a better opponent? Um, well, I think they were they were better on the day. Um, obviously, as I said, it's, it's always disappointing to lose um, any game. You know, we're always looking to go out and win, no matter what who the opposition are. Um, so, yes, it was it was disappointing, but as you said, we've, we've kind of moved on from that. I mean, it's... Reflect on it. We look where we can improve. Um, so we, when when it comes to that next game, we're ready ready to go again. Obviously, not the most uh, normal of locations heading to Papua New Guinea. But are there any specific highlights for you? Any of the uh, the funniest jokes on tour? Who was you know roommates, or was it just kind of a collective experience? You got any personal highlights? Yeah, it was a it was a, a lot of time spent in the hotel there. Um, as I said, it was a very full on schedule with cricket, so it was very much getting back, getting the feet up and resting for the next day. But it's always, it's always quite entertaining listening to, to Mark Watt and, and Chris Soule. Um, they normally keep the boys entertained, some of the stuff they come out with. It's quite amusing. Um, probably nothing I'll mention on here, but um, no, they're always... Yes, they are a funny funny bunch. Um, but I think actually was, there was one of the days we went down to a place called The Village, where 70% of the Papua New Guinea cricket team are from. And I think just to go down there and meet a few of a few of the local people and just see some of the kids and stuff, I think that was really really great for a lot of the guys to see that and experience that. It was released uh, in the summer this year. Some exciting news about England coming to play in ODI. Then we've got two Pakistani T20s. So it's an exciting month of June. What are you what are your hopes for that? Yeah, obviously it's very exciting just to get to get some cricket. You no, know, we've got some some cricket coming up next summer because um, we didn't have a, too much the summer just passed. So. Obviously, quite pleasing as well that it's going to be England and Pakistan, two very, very good international teams. Um, so it's one we'll be deaf. All the boys are very excited about. And that was myself and Richie Barrington speaking earlier in the week at Craig Lockett Leisure Centre. So finally today, let's talk about the bigger picture: cricket Scotland itself. It's an ever-growing and constantly evolving organisation, and at the helm, its CEO Malcolm Cannon. I headed down to the Cricket Scotland offices to have a chat with him about the next coming months and all things cricket. Here are some of the highlights of that. So we're going to get right into the nitty gritty. Uh, the reason we have you on the show for the first episode is to really kind of explain to the listeners what's happening in the world of Cricket Scotland. Um, I wasn't particularly uh, sure when I first arrived here. I'm starting to get to grips with it myself, which is, I think, a good thing if I'm going to host this show. Um, but starting off with uh, the real meat and bones of it all, the ICC annual report. They had conference in Auckland this year. Um, so tell us what's the result for Scotland after that. Okay, well, can I just start by saying how exciting it is to have uh, a Cricket Scotland podcast, and thank you very much for inviting me. The ICC's annual conference is actually held in June, and this year it was held down in uh, London. Um, However, they have had a recent board meeting in Auckland, at which some significant decisions were supposed to be made. I think you can read by the word supposed that, as is ICC's general uh, approach, these decisions were deferred. 
There are certain decisions that they have come up with um, regarding Test cricket in particular and adding context to Test cricket and the confirmation that going forward there will be a 13-team ODI league, um, global ODI league. That is made up of the existing 12 Test nations plus the winners of the World Cricket League Championship which is coming to its conclusion and I'm sure we'll touch on later on today. As regards all the other decisions, which tend to be financially based, they had to defer those until such time as they had looked at the budget more carefully. And we are hoping to get a better outcome from that uh, sometime in November. How frustrating it is where the decision of deferment for Cricket Scotland? It's hugely frustrating. The associate members, of which Scotland is one of the top two or three, that sit just outside that elite 12 test nation level are very dependent in fact almost entirely dependent on funds and decisions made by the ICC board and the ICC FNCA the financial uh, financial committee and deferment merely leaves us in a more tricky situation with regard to planning for next year and subsequent years and indeed for setting our budget for next year, um, as we reach the end of October, not being in a position to set a budget makes it very tricky to, to run the business of cricket, but also in terms of planning our activity levels next year. So in regards to planning for next year, obviously you do not have the, you, the decisions being deferred. Where does that lie um, in regards to the fixture list? Uh, you said the budget's affected. Where does it rely to who you're playing, yeah. what's happening in the next coming months? Okay, so we've actually got an incredibly exciting eight months ahead of us, irrespective of the budget, because the World Cricket League Championship, which is the one-day competition, there is a table of eight nations in the WCLC, we are currently in third position. Depending on the outcome of the two games we have in the final round against Kenya, and depending on some of the other outcomes of other matches in Dubai at the same time, we could finish everywhere between first and fifth. And obviously the other nations could equally finish in a variety of different positions. So it's a very, very exciting rather worrying and certainly uh, critical few games for us. You know, as a sporting fan and as a fan of cricket themselves, this is what it's all about. It's the unpredictability of of the sport. It's who's going to finish where, it's how the matches are going to, uh, what the outcome's going to be. But what is your position when you're watching from the top? Is it just a completely different outlook when you're watching a game in a situation like this? Is it, please win, I want to go to the qualifiers? Or is it, don't embarrass me, this is my company? It's actually hugely frustrating and very, very terrifying to watch. I was, I was advised before I started the, the job that the one thing I shouldn't do is watch the uh, international teams play <laughs> internationals because it is incredibly um, frustrating the fact you can't do anything about the outcome. However, the outcomes are critical. They affect not only our standing and ranking in the world, but our profile and ultimately our income levels. So how we play in Dubai in the next uh, month or so, two months or so, is critical to the future of Scottish men's cricket in the short term because the outcome of this then dictates where we play and what we play next year in the first four months the World Cup qualifier is to be held in Zimbabwe in March and should we finish in the top four of the World Cricket League Championship which we should 
then we will automatically go to Zimbabwe. Out of that, a certain number of teams will then qualify for the World Cup uh, in 2019, which is an enormous carrot for us, not only financially, but also profile. To play in a World Cup, as we have done in the past, is enormous for Scottish cricket, and it's a great fillip and a great opportunity for the men's team. So, you just going to touch upon a few areas that you, you mentioned there. Firstly, um, Ireland, Celtic rival of Scotland, of course, uh, their decision to go to test status was released earlier. Was that a delicate issue for you? Did you feel that Scotland deserved more, or was it, we're happy to see our compatriots go further, maybe there's an opportunity for us in the future? I think it's great for cricket that what was seen as a rather tight and exclusive club of 10 test nations has been expanded to 12. I think it shows that there are opportunities for those who can perform and who can prove that they can perform. Looking back 8-10 years, Scotland were ranked higher than Ireland and performing better than Ireland. Ireland then had a purple patch, during which Scotland probably underperformed. So it's deserved, it's annoying because I think we all feel we would love to be there. It brings with it great riches, but more importantly, it brings with it great opportunities to play marquee games against high-quality competition, which we struggled to secure. However, as I say at the beginning, it's, it's a positive move for cricket globally because it shows that it is a glass ceiling and you can burst through it. We would like to think we're next cab off the rank and the next natural full member because of what we have achieved, not only on the field, but off the field as well. In regards to next year, you talked about an exciting eight months ahead. Yeah. The highlights, of course, looking like uh, looking at the fixture list released so far. England, ODI in June. It's a busy week that week. You've got England, then you've got two T20s against Pakistan. How important is it getting those matches, especially here in Scotland, as an opportunity for the game to grow? Huge. It's terrific for the profile. I think it's a great opportunity for the Scotland cricket fans to see their, their heroes, both their home heroes and their uh, heroes from across the, the border. Uh, on the doorstep. Commercially, we have to make these a success. These are This is a great opportunity for Scottish cricket to to raise the, the profile, raise the noise level, but also to make some money out of this. And I think it's a terrific opportunity for our players to pit themselves against some of the best in the world, Pakistan being current Champions Trophy winners, England obviously being ranked very highly. Um, we just hope they come up with a weakened team. Yeah, exactly. Maybe the result will sway our way. When we look at the wider picture of the game in Scotland, how exciting is it? Probably the the most stable of sports at the grassroots level. We have 150 clubs in Scotland, all of whom are putting out teams at least once a week, if not twice a week. They're competing in the cup competitions that we run here centrally. They're working with their local associations, and it's a thriving area. There will be some clubs and club members who will listen to this podcast who will think, well, that's not true of our club. But I think the opportunities are there to both recruit new members, recruit volunteers, and to, to keep these clubs healthy and thriving. I think the, the other great positive is that we have recently, this year, launched a new programme called All Stars, uh, which is aimed at five- to eight-year-olds, boys and girls, throughout the country, and it's been an enormous success, not only in terms of getting more players involved, but also in attracting more volunteers, parents, grandparents, to clubs, and to, to develop youth cricket within the clubs themselves so there's a lot of excitement there's a lot of noise level and there's a lot of energy being put into grassroots game which ultimately can only help the uh, top of the pyramid in terms of our international sides men's and women's because if we fill the the funnel with more talent at the bottom then we will end up with 
greater talent at the top. And I think that's absolutely the right way to, to build the sport. The final point I want to draw on is the power of cricket and the power of sport. What are your emotions and feelings towards that sentiment? I think generically sport can add so much to someone's well-being. Mental well-being, physical well-being. It develops leadership skills, it develops communication skills. We all get so much out of sport, whether we are competing in it, watching it, or volunteering or coaching in it. And I think generically sport is so important to this nation and indeed all nations but I think in particular Scotland draws so much from sport and that was CEO Malcolm Cannon so that's it for the first episode big thanks to Richie Barrington and Malcolm Cannon for their chats and thank you to you guys for listening If you guys want to find out more about anything to do with Cricket Scotland, head over to the website. There's information on the men's winter schedule where they are heading to Dubai for the climax of the ICC Intercontinental Cup and World Cricket League. And there's also ticket information on the England and Pakistan games coming up in June. So you wouldn't want to miss the chance to see them at the Grange. Also, follow Cricket Scotland on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook to get all the latest news on the podcast and anything related to Cricket Scotland. Uh, More importantly, if you've enjoyed this episode, give us some feedback. If you're listening on iTunes, drop a review or a star rating. Or SoundCloud, show us some love and hit the heart button. Um, I want to say a big thanks to everyone involved in the making of this first episode. Thank you to Ed Bauer for the new logo and anyone involved in Cricket Scotland that's helped out. Thank you for listening, guys. This has been Ian Leggett with the Cricket Scotland podcast, and I'll see you guys soon.